Okay, we're glad you came back for our second study. Uh, today, we get to see John as he goes to heaven. We see his journey to heaven. He's lifted to heaven. And fortunately for us, we get to go with him and to see what he sees and hear what he hears. Uh, this is the, the book, uh, the place in the book, where we begin to see a lot about heaven. And we'll try to bring a few things out as we uh, move through there. But we're going to go to chapter 4. Now, hang on with me because uh, you're thinking, well, we saw chapter 1. What about 2 and 3? We'll come back to that. But notice with me in chapter 4. We want to take this trip. I'll, I'll come back to those other chapters in a bit. After this, I looked, and behold, a door was open in heaven. In the first verse, which I heard... Some of your translations, the, the voice I heard at the beginning, which would refer to Christ, John's vision, hearing that voice and turning around and seeing this incredible vision of the Savior. And the first voice which I heard was as of a, of a trumpet talking with me, which said, come up here and I will show you things which must be hereafter. I'll tell you about the future. And immediately we find that he is in heaven. And when you look at this, this, this opening of chapter 4, uh, look carefully at what John is saying. Pay special attention to the way he describes this moment that's happening for him. He talks about heaven op being open. He talks about hearing a voice. He uses the word trumpet, uh, this phrase, uh, come up here, and immediately I was in heaven. Uh, think of all of those things as John talks about what's happening in this experience as he's lifted from earth to heaven. The Apostle John is having what we would call, for a classroom discussion, we would we would say he is having a rapture moment. Um, if you're not familiar with the rapture, you're not sure what that all means. Uh, the teaching of the rapture uh, is that there's coming a time when believers all across the world will hear the voice of the Savior. The Savior will come back from heaven. He will lift believers off this earth and they will be with the Lord forever, ultimately being back in heaven. So it's the time when Jesus comes lifts his people off of this earth for their heavenly home. And there's a lot we could say about that, but that's a picture of what happens to John here. And if chapter 1 is the great unveiling, and chapter 4 then is the rapture, it is a perfect picture of what the scriptures teach about the rapture. It's reminding us that there's coming a time when on earth, believers on earth will experience the same thing that the Apostle John talks about in this particular uh, verse. That someday, believers all across the world are going to see heaven open. They're going to hear the voice of their Savior. Uh, they're going to uh, be lifted off of this world to be with the Savior. It's going to happen. <clears throat> Chapter 4 is a perfect picture of the rapture. Let me... Let me give you some reasons why I believe that. 
And the first one is, let me show you the second slide first. There are four reasons that I believe this is a perfect picture of what we call the rapture. Again, that's the time, could happen any time, when the Lord comes from heaven and lifts off of this earth all those who have trusted in him for salvation. And I have listed on the screen, there are four reasons that I would say this. Let me just go back. And the first one is the New Testament verses that talk about the rapture. And, and there are many. Uh, you're familiar with them, I think, most of you. One I have in the screen is from 1 Thessalonians. <clears throat> it says, For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud shout. That means you will hear the voice of the Savior. With the voice of the archangel, it's not just the Savior's voice we will hear. It's the angel voice that we will hear, the voice of the archangel, and with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. After that, we who are still alive and are left, that is here on the earth, will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so will we ever be with the Lord. It's a pretty identical description of what John experiences in chapter 4. And the other passages would also tell us that too. It's, it's really uh, almost identical. Everything that you see in the verses that deal with the rapture are seen here in John's experience of being lifted from this world into heaven. Now here's, here's what I want you to get. There is coming a time when the entire church, all believers everywhere, will be lifted off of this earth. This is what we didn't have time to see in chapters 2 and 3. When John is having his vision and he turns around to see the Savior, actually, if you look at chapter 1, the first thing he sees are the candelabras that I refer to. Candelabras like uh, stage uh, ornaments for a wedding, uh, for lighting, for those special occasions when a husband and wife, a man and woman become a husband and wife, and they're there for the pictures, they're there for light. It's, it's just beautiful touch. We find out the last verse in chapter 1 that each of these seven candelabras, each one of them is a church. And the first thing we see, that John sees is not the Savior. His eyes are drawn to these incredible candelabras. And they are identified as seven churches. John, in the opening verses of chapter 1, he writes to these seven churches. Jesus tells him specifically, send this letter to these churches. And then in 2 and 3, we find the Savior actually sending a specific message to every one of those churches. He is with the church. The church is everything to him, just like it is today. <clears throat> the church is the central part of God's work among men. Like candelabras, the church, we are to give the light of Christ, the truth of Christ, to a world that's in spiritual darkness. And everything, everything is focused on the church. Everything. And we're supposed to see that. As we come to chapter 4, we're reminded that there is a time when the church will be lifted up off of this earth. And that's what we see here, the rapture. And when we begin to notice John's event, and we think of this as being a picture of the rapture, it's worth pointing out that the church who is everything with the Savior in chapters 1, 2, and 3, totally everything, the church is not mentioned again until chapter 19 when Jesus comes from heaven to establish God's rule on earth. 
And it's then that the church is with him. Chapter 19, we, we hear the phrase that the bride, that's us, the bride of Christ, has made herself ready. And so the message that's being given here is that the church will be lifted in heaven during this time that we're going to look at, this terrible time called the tribulation. Believers will be safe in heaven when the tribulation unleashes the, uh, the wrath of God on this, this, this earth. It'd be an awful time, we'll see that. But the church, the believers as we know it today, church will not have to go through that. We will be safe in heaven. It's a wonderful thing to know. And God wants us to know that. There's a, there's, a, there's a shift in the major focus of the book from chapter 1 through 3, that's the church, to the rest of the book, and we'll get into that later. But the church is in heaven. I think it's a great illustration. We just don't see the church again until Jesus comes back because the church is in heaven. And I think if you'll turn back to chapter 3 and verse 10, there's a hint the Savior gives to one of the churches that they will, as believers, not have to go through this awful period. Chapter 3, verse 10, Because you have kept the word of my patience, I also will keep you from the hour of trial, which shall come upon the whole world to try them that dwell upon the earth. It's very obvious that there is a hint here. There's coming a time when you will not have to go through what the world is going through. So I do believe that we have a special reference here to the rapture. Uh, let me go on. There are four reasons. I think New Testament, the passages of the rapture, are identical with what's happening here. Uh, the reference to where is the church, the beginning of the book, it's everywhere, but it's not seen again kind of tells us that the church is not on earth. We have this hint. I want to talk about the 24 elders, but let me, before I go there, let me uh, share this with you about the rapture. Every once in a while I will hear someone and they're talking about the rapture and they give the impression that uh, the rapture is going to be a moment that just suddenly out of nowhere comes and it just takes us total by surprise and away we go. And it's just like, bang, it happens and it's gone. And they were referred to it, one of the passages, in the twinkling of an eye. Uh, and, and we get that. It'll be very quick. But if you take the New Testament passages that deal with the rapture and look at chapter 4, verses 1 and 2, then you will be able to get a clearer picture of what's happening when that event we call the rapture takes place. And Christians will know exactly what's happening when the rapture takes place. If you take the time to look at 1 Thessalonians, 1 Corinthians 15, and also Revelation 4, and just take phrase by phrase and put it all together in picture form, you will see something like this. There will be a time in the future when, as believers, we will see heaven opened. We're going to see that we will hear the Savior's voice. Remember John said, the voice that I heard at the beginning, I heard come up here. Uh, Jesus will say something and his voice will reach the ears of every believer on the earth. Christian, it's time to come home. Christian, it's come. Today is the day. He's going to say something. 
we will hear his voice. The world won't hear it, but every believer will. And then it says the voice of the archangel. And 1 Thessalonians 4 talks about that too. So we will hear the Savior's voice. We will hear the voice of an archangel. An angel will say, sound the trumpet. The archangel is one of the highest angels of importance and ministry that we see in the scriptures. Uh, some believe it's going to be Gabriel. But we will hear the voice of the angel too. Sound the trumpet. We will hear the trumpet blast. And then just like chapter 4, verse 1, come up here. It's time to come. Come home. And then we're gone in immediate, in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye. Every believer will know exactly what's happening when the rapture takes place. And it'll be an incredible experience. And if you remember the scriptures, for those who stay close to the Savior, for those who love the Savior, there is a specific crown, a reward that's given to those who, when they see this begin, their hearts will just fill with love. Jesus, I can't wait to be home. Second uh, Timothy chapter 4 talks about that. A crown of righteousness for those who love his appearing. Uh, but what we have in chapter 4 is a very clear picture of the rapture. So in chapter 1, the purpose of the book, the unveiling of Christ to see the future, but then the rapture takes place. And there's another reason that uh, we think that this is a good description of the rapture. Notice in chapter four, we have 24 elders that are referred to. And I'm gonna start on verse two. And immediately I was in the spirit and behold, a throne was set in heaven and one who sat upon the throne, he sees God. And he that sat was to look upon like a jasper, a sardine stone. There was a rainbow round about the throne and like unto an emerald. And around about that throne there were four and twenty other thrones. And upon those thrones I saw four and twenty elders sitting, clothed in white clothing, and they had on their heads crowns of gold. These 24 elders. Now, we don't have a clue in our Gentile, non-Jewish understanding uh, what, what's going on here. But this is something that John grew up with as a Jewish boy. He grew up seeing every day he went to the temple. Uh, he knew exactly what these 24 elders represent or who they are, even though they're strange to us. Why 24 and why are they here? In Israel's history, there was a time when David was building the kingdom and he wanted it not only to be a strong kingdom that could keep its persecutors out, uh, but he wanted it to be a place where people would worship God. And his focus was to help Jerusalem become the center of worship for the whole country. And we know he wanted to build God a temple, uh, but Solomon, his son, would end up building that temple. But David was preparing for that time. Uh, even though he would not be able to build the temple himself. During David's time, there were priests who served in the tabernacle at that point, before there was a temple. The tabernacle was moved to Jerusalem, a uh, central place of worship. There were thousands of priests all over Israel. They could not have been able 
to serve in the tabernacle, later the temple, by themselves uh, if they were all there at once. They just couldn't do it. There'd be too many of them. And David devised a format to help the priests and help his people, Israel, uh, to be able to have a unified worship. He developed a system where the priesthood was broken down into 24 groups, and every priest was assigned to be a part of one of those 24 groups. Each priest would serve on a rotation basis, and they would serve two weeks uh, out of the year in the temple, and any time because of this system that they had worked out, any time that you would look into the temple to see the priest, you would see this, this grouping of 24, but he did it in such a way as that every time the priests were there in this group of 24, the priesthood was represented in its entirety. It wasn't that some of the priests from here or some of the priests from there, no, it represented the priesthood in its entirety and it represented Israel as a nation in its entirety. So when John went to the temple and he saw these men, 24, serving in these different groups, he knew immediately what they were. This was God's plan for the nation of Israel to be able to be before God in entirety, to worship in its entirety and represent all of Israel in, in its entirety together in a very simple form. Translate that now to the church. The church has been raptured, and my alarm is telling me that I need to quit, so hang right on. <clears throat> I'll wrap this up real quick. I think. There we go. Boy, our time goes quick for these things. The church has been raptured. The church is in heaven. But in John's eyes, he sees the church in its entirety. The church exclusively, everyone's there. They're totally represented. It represents the church in heaven. And what I want you to notice, and I will be brief with this, I want you to notice that as these people sit close to God in these very dignified positions, very worthy positions, it says, verse 5, out of the throne... Remember, God is seated there. Out of the throne proceeded lightnings and thunderings. And you know as well as I do, when you're out on a day in the summer and you see storm clouds coming and it's thundering and a lightning, you know it's a storm coming and, and uh, you make adjustments accordingly. Um, in heaven, people know what's going to happen on earth. When we're in heaven, we're going to know exactly what's coming to the people who live on the earth and we're not going to be afraid. We're not going to be in a position of panic. We're not going to be frantic about things. If you'll notice, the 24 elders are seated, very dignified position, but they're seated. They're not running all over the place. They're not frantic. They're not, what's going to happen? How are we going to do this? What's going to happen to this or that on the earth? None of that. We will know exactly what's happening, and there will be in our hearts absolutely no sense of fear because we know God who is seated upon the throne. We know exactly what he's going to do. That's what we're going to see in the book of Revelation as it unfolds. In chapter 4, as it concludes, we notice that 
God is given the central attention after this event, and all of heaven focuses worship upon him, and there is this explosion of praise and worship to God, and we are thrilled that God is finally going to be honored in this world and loved the way he needs to be loved. And that brings us to the end of chapter 4. So there's, there's a lot here. And I am kind of, ugh, I hate to leave this out or that out, but I've got to watch the clock so we can stay on line. If you can remember that chapter 1 is the great unveiling. We are to see the truth about Christ. We need to see him clearly. Not just the Gospels, but his glory. We need to know that we have a compassionate but a strong, strong, caring Savior. And we can trust him for anything. But there is coming a time when we'll be lifted off of this earth. We won't go through the tribulation that we're going to read about. Praise God for that. And when we're in heaven, we're not going to be afraid. We'll never be afraid of anything anymore. But we'll understand what's happening. And what John tells us here are things that we're going to know about as uh, we live our life in heaven. But I have to stop there so we can get on to our next study. Uh, come back. We got more to see. We got one more glimpse of heaven in chapter 5. And then we'll come back to the earth and see this judgment as it begins to unfold. Thanks for being with us today. Be patient with me. There's a lot, but I hope we can make sense out of the book as a whole. Thanks for joining us again.